welcome to 1001 Books, the podcast where we read the 1001 Books experts say you're supposed to read before you die and decide if they're really worth your time. I'm Chelsea, a lover of any fantasy novel with a strong female lead and a new mom desperately trying to find time to read. And I'm Nicole. Right now I'm really into fiction books that really make me think about social issues. Yeah. So... We're really excited to be talking about our book, The Swimming Pool Library, this week. But before we get to that, what have you been reading lately? Um, I read a kind of fun book that I got from the Book of the Month Club called How Lucky by Will Leach. And it's sort of a rear window type situation. But the person who sees the crime happen is a person who has like a significant physical disability. Uh, and it's really interesting. It was a dis- I was a disability I'd never heard of before that... Um, people would often think the person was like quadriplegic, but that's not what it is. And the and so he it was all from his uh, point of view, which it was so it was a cool, interesting, different narrator, someone with a disability. And I thought that it really captured well what that experience must be like. And then in in the afterward, the author was saying that his his kid made a friends with a kid who has this disability, and that's what inspired him to write this book. Oh. So it was really like light and had a happy ending, you know. But it, um, and maybe. Like, it's not something I would be like, you have to read this. But it was just really cool to read a book from the perspective of someone who has such a significant disability where they're using a computer and stuff to communicate and um, hearing their, like, his rich inner life, I think, is really valuable. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Um, well, I had the opportunity to go to the library in person. Whoa. (laughs) For the first time in you know, a year and a half. <laughs> um, and so I got to take my son, Will, with me, and that was so exciting. Uh, we, I, you know, I got him a little baby book bag. But then while I was there, it felt very on point to get this book called Book Love by, uh, her last name is Tongue, Debbie Tongue. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just a comic, series of comics about loving books. And I just, it felt very nice to pick up a little, like, <laughs> comic about loving books while in the library for the first time in a year and a half. And I was just so overjoyed <laughs> to get to go. Yes. This week, I also went to the library for the first time just to pick up some holds, like to go inside to pick them up. And it was like, it was so peaceful inside. And there was so many librarians who wanted to help me because they were obviously so excited to have people in the library again. And I like, I honestly like almost teared up inside because it just smelled so good. And it was so soothing. And I just like, I straight up just wanted to be like, is it weird if I smell the books? Can I just like <laughs> lean in and just give a giant yeah. sniff? Yeah, I realized that I've just, I've just been fully vaccinated for like six or seven weeks and we've, we've crammed like a ton of seeing people into that time and so sometimes it feels like it's been a lot longer but then when I have a moment like that it's like it's still very fresh yeah that we're getting to do stuff and um and it's kind of nice to remember to be grateful for it you know <laughs> that's our uh daily PSA for getting your vaccine mm-hmm. get vaccinated it's good of course um so let's... next we'll do our one word well oh, first no, let's, let's talk introduce about what the book, the book. yeah so this week we read The Swimming Pool Library by Alan Hollinghurst. came out in 1988, the year we were born, <laughs> and it's uh, and it was Eng- English author, and it's book 59 that we've read so far. So what is your one word description? My one word description is unfathomable, and it's not a reflection of like the content of the book. It's more just like 
that this book was not written, I think, for me. Okay. Like, it wasn't chronicling an experience that I understand or relate to. And I think um, in a historical context, sorry, I'm giving a lot. You'll see why I think we, we're we going to probably be a little over-explaining in this episode of our feelings on things. But, um, yeah, unfathomable. Uh, yeah, mine was a culture shift. I'm oh, gonna, gonna, so similar, but yeah. just a better wording. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> the quick, quick plot for this book is, in 1980s London, a wild young gay aristocrat and an elderly gay gentleman become friends in a world before AIDS. Yeah. Um. So this book is, I, when we like first picked it up, you know, we flipped through the pages and we were like, wow, every page that we look at has sex on it. It definitely has more sex than any book we've read for the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were very intrigued by it before we started, I think, uh, for that reason. And I will say that uh, I this is overall, like, I finished this book last night and I found it the ending very depressing and it actually I had nightmares <laughs> not really just kind of vaguely related to the book nightmares but just because I was so I found the ending so sad um and because in the book you know there's this there's this like the main guy who's young and he's um living a very promiscuous lifestyle in the gay community in London and he's so rich he doesn't have to work and um, and it's kind of about his various affairs and, but also in the book, he gets like beaten up for being gay, like assaulted on the street. And then he connects with a older gay gentleman who's like in his eighties and wants the younger guy to write his autobiography. Um, mm-hmm. and then, so then he's reading that guy's journals about his kind of like promiscuous adventures in a, like in like the thirties and forties and fifties and, um, and how that did not end in a good way for that. Right. Gentleman, and then yeah. that gentleman, um, he has the, the young guy doesn't find out until the very end of the book that that, that gentleman ended up in prison under um, Britain's like anti-gay laws at the time in the 50s. And I uh, and it and then it, like and then he finds out that his grandpa, the young guy's grandpa, is the one who like really cracked down on gay people back in the mm-hmm. 50s. And and um, and so then it, it led me down a rabbit trail of like when was it legalized in the UK and it wasn't legalized um for private sexual acts between a consenting gay men over 21 were legalized in 1967. Okay. But um, they didn't equalize the consent age, which the consent age for heterosexual people is 16 there. And they didn't make it the same for gay people until the 2000s. And so there was um, many arrests in the 50s because there was sort of a purge of gay, uh, gay people but they also there was an equal number of rests between 1967 and like 2003 for the underage like underage but you could still be 18 or oh, if you were a, a straight person you would be uh it would be allowed yeah <laughs> uh and so it was that is very shocking you know and that's interesting because that um one of the characters in the book the main character Arthur right no, that's his boyfriend. No, Arthur's. That's what I'm mixing it up with. Um, Will. Will. I had issues with his name. I don't know why I had a hard time with that because it was really hard to read um, sex scenes where they're using your child's name. I'm just going to say. <laughs> um, was not okay with me. But Will's boyfriend in the beginning, or 
our partner at the beginning, Arthur, is 17. And so mm-hmm. I was wondering about, I didn't look it up like you did, but I was wondering about the um, age yeah. of consent. So it was still, like, in the 80s when this book was set, that was still illegal. Like, and, and there was, that was one thing that was hard about is that there was a lot of underage, underage relationships, older men and younger people, mm-hmm. even if the younger person was 18 and the older person was yeah. 40. Um, the whole book was, it was interesting. And I was like, I don't know how to talk about it because I feel like I'm applying my heterosexual values over it. And I don't want to do that, but it's, um, it's kind of meant as like an ode to what it was like to be in the gay community before you had to worry about AIDS. Mm -hmm. And there's just some wild stuff in this book. (laughs) Yeah. And that's kind of why now that we've kind of gone down to the plot, that's why I like chose like unfathomable is Mm -hmm. like my word and probably why you chose culture shock. Um, or culture shift. Um, mm-hmm. Cause I just, I felt like I could not, I was having a really hard time putting myself into the book, into the mindset of the characters, into that environment. Um, because that experience was just so foreign to me, which is so weird. Cause I don't usually feel that way in books, but in this book I had yeah. a really, and it made me think like how much, um, our ideas about like promiscuity and sex and things like that are very, um, are much more deeply ingrained. Visceral. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Than putting yourself in the shoes of other situations because it wasn't even that it was, um, sex between two men. No, Um, nothing about that. It was just that it was so promiscuous. So different people having sex without commitment, without emotions, without, yeah. And in such, um, in public settings and, and knowing what we know now about like the, unsafe nature of having sex like that Mm -hmm. um like not even just for aids but for like stds or stis as they're called like i just was like ah ah diseases ah i feel like just in our generation that stuff was always around straight or gay or or Mm -hmm. whatever you know anything and so we never had a sexual life that those things weren't considerations and so it's very it's very feels very strange, and it then then I was just like down this rabbit hole in my head where I was like, oh, like did gay subculture that was like that did that develop because you couldn't be openly gay and married to the man that you loved, or and and if we had like in the eighteen eighties if it had been allowed, you know, and I like would would that have been different? But then also if if that was the case, would would we they have we have lost something of what that culture has given like those people? Yeah. And, uh, and I was just like, well, I don't know. <laughs> That's, I was thinking about that, too. Like, how... Because it did allude um, to... Oh, gosh, I can't remember the name for them. But essentially, the where in the parks, a lot of times in the public bathrooms, mm-hmm. there would be certain public bathrooms that were known as places that you would go um, for sex acts. And, like, how much of that... Like, it was, like, basically, like, prohibition, but for your body of sex, sex acts. Like, it's going to people are going to want to have sex and express themselves sexually, even if it needs to be underground. So, like, did that arise because it had to be underground? Right. And there's a spot towards the end of the book where the older gentleman who's in his 80s in the book is like, I'm all for gay liberation and stuff, but it does feel like it's less fun than it used to be (laughs) because it doesn't have that, like, oh, it's forbidden and we have to be sneaky and we our eyes connect across the room and we both realize the other person is gay and it doesn't have that anymore. Yeah. Um, and that's not even taking into account the, like, then that AIDS is coming, you know? Yeah. Um, 
And then I just got, by the end of the book, I was just so sad because then I was like, oh, this whole world that they're in, all these characters, like, AIDS is going to take root in the UK. Like, it was more in the US and then it went to the UK after that. And and it's going to be, like, a lot of these people are going to die. Mm-hmm. And die horrible die deaths. Die horrible deaths. And it it's so sad. <laughs> it just made me really sad. And it made me um, so sad that, like, re- learning about the arrest in the book and then reading about it what was happening in real life and it's just like like why did like why did we spend time trying to restrict people like this because who cares it doesn't hurt anything for you know like for someone to be with someone who's the same uh, sex or gender as them and um and like they in the book there's like you know cops that mm-hmm. pretend to be gay and like lure you and then they arrest you you know mm-hmm. and it's like that's horrible why it's so it's um it's really, it's just, it's upsetting, and I, the book was disturbing was, in that way. Yeah, it was, it was hard to read for that. Um, yeah. yeah, and it was also, again, it was hard to read from, like, the heteronormative, like, very, like, uh, also, like, monogamous mm-hmm. uh, standpoint that I hold, that I was, like, um, it was hard to differentiate sometimes my sadness um, for, like, what was coming from them, from my sadness for, like, wanting, like, stable relationships for the characters, but, like, did they need those? I don't know. Yeah. But- and so that was, that was weird. That, that was part of what made it feel so foreign to me, too, was because I was like, how much am I putting onto this book that, like, I think you should want a relationship with one person that's stable where you can have kids and raise kids. Yeah. But, like... But also, that's just that that's not the only way to live. Yeah, and, yeah. like, people could be perfectly happy not doing that. Yeah. There's a part in the book where Will is, like, he's dating this guy named Phil, and they're, and they're like, really, you know, like, they're close, and it's going great, and but Will is just still regularly having sex with other people, just kind of mm-hmm. whenever the opportunity arises, you know, if he randomly you know, locks eyes with someone on the train or whatever, and then near the end of the book, he catches Phil having sex with somebody else and he's devastated and it's just like well what were the rules then because you have to talk about it yeah like what your relationship's going to be like and and i do think that overall um i feel like we have come a long way of like well if you're going to be in a non-monogamous relationship i feel like most people try to like if you're going to be open you have rules and boundaries and how you handle it and and that um language i feel like didn't exist in the 80s like how to have that conversation um, if you're a person who wanted to have that, you know. I also thought something interesting in this book too was the way race. Oh yeah, the race stuff was. It was. It was charged. It was there, multiple. I mean, all the leads really were white, mm-hmm. and many of them were like particularly attracted to black men. There was fetishism. Yeah, there was a on. lot of fetishism, and it was not in any way condemned by the author. It was no. celebrated. Yeah, and so and that, was, that was upsetting also. <laughs> it was interesting, too, because it um, the author had a very distinct way of describing black bodies mm-hmm. that even if he didn't tell you the color of the person's skin, like the way they were described, you knew he was talking. Yes. And that, I found that very uncomfortable. And a lot of stereotypical things about yeah. black people and sexualization and... And um, that was just like, this doesn't need to be in here. Like, this mm-hmm. kind of ruins it a little bit. And, you know, this author, not for this book, but he went on to win the Booker Prize. 
Not our favorite prize. No. Not and we never like books that win the Booker Prize. So. <laughs> yeah, no, it was um, the race stuff outside of the stuff about sexuality. I was just very uncomfortable with the way race. And yeah. it was interesting because I feel like I expect more of a book written in 1988. Like, we see a lot in this podcast of objectionable things about race. Like, mm-hmm. truly terrible things about race. But usually if they're written in the last, like, 50 years, it's not as much. that bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, within the first four pages, I was like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah. It's... And then it just reminds me that um, I think, you know, we're white, and I think the world is always more racist and always was more racist than white people think. Yeah. Um, because they're not experiencing the consequence of it. Um, and have the ability to like opt out of thinking about it because mm-hmm. of how society is. And so this is definitely one of those where I think, and it's the same thing. It's like the, you know, like racism is closer to the surface, closer to the present than we usually yeah. think. And so is um, anti-gay stuff is also, mm-hmm. it's so recent. And the other thing the book made me think about is um, would like, um, the gay rights movement have developed the way that it did if AIDS hadn't been a factor because like it, because then that's when it really became a movement, right? You're fighting for your life for the Mm -hmm. government to acknowledge that something is killing people like you and your friends. And, um, and I don't, you know, maybe because it's like in the, in that research I was doing about in 1967, it was legalized. That was somewhat let, you know, led by, um, gay people, but not to the extent of the stuff that we see mm-hmm. now. And there, you know, the Pride Parade started in like the seventies, you know, around yeah. around the world. Um, and so it's just it's pretty amazing that like how both how quickly that's happened in the grand scheme of the universe, and and also how uh, fragile it is still. Yeah, it's uh, like there's threats all the time. Uh, to people's ability to live their life the way they want to live it. It's it's crazy, too, especially because you think, like, you can apply that to almost any, like, yeah. marginalized group. And you can even apply that, too, to, like, women. That, like, the the last women who were born without voting rights are just now dying. Yeah. Like, they're, like, 100 years old and just now dying. Yeah. As a side note, I just started reading this book called Who Cooked Adam Smith's Dinner? And it's about how Adam Smith, the famous economist, uh-huh. you know, he he's the one who wrote about how it's like, it's the invisible hand of the market and everything is based on people's self-interest. And the reason I have my dinner is because the book, the butcher and the baker acted on their self-interest to sell me something. But the book is questioning, well, really, you have your dinner because your mom cooked it for you. Yeah. Your mom took care of you. And it was out of self-interest. And then it started, and then in the whole, I've just started, I read a few chapters, but it's about... Um, economics and how women aren't counted as like an economic force, etc. But an interesting part, it was saying that, you know, like in the like starting kind of in the 60s, women went into the workforce, like to the earning money, because they're obviously still working before that in the home, but in vast majorities into the workforce. And it happened so quickly that it was like before anyone could even like say anything, like it was already, it was already happened, you know? And 
that's so recent and we haven't really we haven't adjusted like the economic models of how we do prediction mm-hmm. to think about like oh 50 percent of people are doing something different than before yeah. and we still but we still define everything about economics in the terms of men oh that sounds really interesting yeah it's really interesting but it's it's kind of based on the same idea it's just like yeah. it's really recent and it's fragile and uh it's you know thousands of years of history it's really hard i think sometimes to read books on this book list without beginning to hate like the white like male <laughs> like identity not individual white males but like the white male identity that like european mm-hmm. identity that has pervaded so much of like the world just in everything because like in this book too there were there were lots of talks about class a little bit mm-hmm. as well. Um, and so, like, the classism and the um, expectation that went with being a named person in um, the UK at the time, like, it was very interesting, like, in its own, too. And it's, so it's like, I just feel like every time I read something, I'm like, rich white men suck. <laughs> like... <laughs> Yeah. So much of this book, and that's just, it's, uh, I wonder, we won't be alive for it, but I wonder what, like, 200 years from now, like, what, um, will have shifted and how people 200 years from now will look back on the first 2,000 years of human history and what that, um, what that'll be. Because of the giant shifts we've seen in the last hundred years. Yeah, and I mean, they've been much faster mm-hmm. in the, like, 20th century than ever before. Yeah, it will be, it will be, it would be interesting to see, and I think... I mean, that is if the Amazon rainforest doesn't start producing more carbon than it's absorbing, like I just read in the news today and got really upset about. <laughs> Like, can we talk about how we've killed the earth? But okay. Yeah, I mean, am I really confident humanity will be here in two hundred years? No, no. Uh, <laughs> but if it is, um, I mean, I just think there's there's a reckoning mm-hmm. for how Western civilization exported its values on the world as if they were like God's written like perfection, absolute truth. Um, and how they that just steamrolled so many things and so many people, including people from those Western countries. Yeah. Um, and how we we can't like get away from it. You know, yeah. it's, like it's it's in every institution, and it ta- it's going to take such hard and diligent like heart level work to address them those things thing by thing by thing. Yeah. Um, but I think the first step is that really for more people to get that like, well, the reason that you think that abortion should be illegal or whatever it is, is based on all of this historical stuff. And, and, and like, you should know why you think like this, not necessarily because it's absolute truth. Yeah. And as people start to understand like generational trauma Mm -hmm. and how so much of what, what happens in your everyday life is not predicted. That's not a word really good. Is brought forth by, Predicated. Predicated. Thank you. I was like, it's almost predicted, but it's not predicted. What's the word? Um, by like all that's come before. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, this, I feel like this book, it stands out to me in the ones we read for the podcast because it was so 
different and mm-hmm. wild from anything else that we've read. And it, I think it did lead to good conversation. I didn't like reading it, though. But I did, it was it was not an easy read. Uh, and I listened to read. some of it on audiobook. Mm. Um, and I was originally listening to it out loud. And then I remembered what book I was listening to and that my six-month-old was in the room. And it's a... You can't you can't listen to this book out loud <laughs> with children, especially when the main character is named after your child. Or you know what I mean, not named after. But yeah, I was same. just like, I cannot listen to Will in this story <laughs> doing these things. Yeah, <laughs> not an appropriate thing. Yeah. So, so the question is, is this a book that belongs on the list? And this one's really hard for me. Yeah. I feel like, you know, we read, what was that other one, Nightwood, that was like, it's considered like a very early work about lesbianism, and, and here we are, here's another one, and, and we, um, but it's just like, I I'm want to read a more modern book about, yeah. the, you know, because things have changed so much, and, and it's just easier to connect. And I... To. If you're thinking about a book everybody needs to read before they die... Like, I don't know that this is the book about, like, gay culture and gay rights and gay, um, especially with its complicated race factors in it. Yeah. That weighs heavily in it for me, too, because I'm sure, I'm a thousand percent sure there is a better book by now. Yes. Like, yeah, and yeah, the race stuff is really bad. And 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 I just think there's a lot in this book that could make someone more prejudiced. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I, if they already were coming in with that, I don't know if the authors, or not the author, the authors of our Thousand One Books list have put a better book on this list. So I'm not sure that we're going to encounter another one in our read through. I'm not like super hopeful. But I'm sure that a better book does exist. Yeah. And like that, like many of these books, if you were trying to go back and read the foundations of a set of literature, why, yes, you probably would read a book like this. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you are looking for a touchstone that's going to develop like your idea of like humanity, I don't necessarily think that this is the book. Yeah, agreed. I think we're kind of revealing our... I think we're saying no. We're yeah. not putting it on our list. Uh, and if you know what that other book is that we should read, please like, I email will, us because we'll read it and talk about it. I will happily read it. Because I love to read it. And I feel like I have read some other books with mm-hmm. um, gay characters that are I liked more than this one, more accessible. But um, yeah, if you know what one, let's hear about it. Yeah. So let's pick our next book. dun da 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 it's called Cigarettes. That's a fun title. <laughs> it's going to be about smoking. Um, I hope the cover has like a lady with one of those like cigarette holders on it. <laughs> um, yeah. I still should be interesting. Yeah. I think it's about um, like a smoking club, like a men's smoking club. Ooh, I think it's probably... It's definitely about, like, rich people in Europe. Yeah, like, yeah. high society. Like, yeah. <laughs> back when, like, a cigarette was, like, a sign of your, like, status. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> um, we are super excited to read this book, and we are super excited to be posting again, by mm-hmm. the way. I, yeah. By the time you listen to it, we've posted, like, five episodes, but it's just been great to actually 
The world is returning. Yes, it's the best. Um, um, you can find us uh, at 1001 Books Pod on Facebook, uh, Instagram, and Twitter, or at 1001 Books Podcast on Litzy, or email us at 1001BooksPodcast at gmail.com. And you can listen to this uh, podcast at SoundCloud, Google, Apple, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Yes. Um, and then until next time. Happy reading! reading.